athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row, and I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a whole lot to get to on today's program. A whole lot has transpired. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving. And uh, I tell you what, you know, things are starting to get really, really concerning as far as this COVID-19. Please, please, please mask up wherever you are. Uh, It's getting colder. People are going to be indoors a lot more. And uh, vaccine is on the way. But in the interim, we still need to continue to be safe. So as mentioned, got a lot to get to on today's program. One of the guests that's going to be joining us today here on the program, Cole Holcomb, starting linebacker for the Washington football team, going to join us today here on the program. Washington football team coming off a big win against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Of course, we were off on last week. We're not off, uh, but had uh, we had Chris Fallon in, did some some replays of some of the other interviews that we had. So we didn't really have a chance to really talk about that. Uh, of course, the NFL picks also last week. We're going to have the NFL picks on today. A lot has transpired, right, even this week. So, Uh, In the NBA, the NBA uh, training camp has begun with respect to the NBA. I mean, the NBA season is less than two months complete training camp, already ready to rock and roll for games that are going to begin on December the 22nd. So amidst COVID-19, we're ready to start another NBA season uh, and we'll see. Like I'm, I'm, this is, this should be good. Like it, it should be good. We'll have. A full season. I'm very much looking forward to it. The Lakers re-up with LeBron James, a two-year deal, 84 mil. They re-up also with Anthony Davis on a five-year deal with Anthony Davis. So, I mean, I don't, like, there's no reason. I mean, all the other teams did what the other teams did in terms of the offseason, okay? And it's not going to really Matter. I mean, the Lakers have some changes, but I think a lot of the changes that they made were upgrades in addition to signing these two superstars long-term. It's a different type of season than what we saw with a more abbreviated season. So anything can happen. I mean, you got to play the game, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, the Lakers probably, I mean, if when I think back, okay, and I think back to, uh, any type of team that won a championship, and did you say, okay, can they repeat the next season? Like, I mean, I, I think Golden State probably more so comes to mind. 
uh, a little bit more more so, especially after the 2017 championship with Kevin Durant. He was coming back, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to say, okay, that's a team that's definitely going to repeat. But, I mean, the Lakers are set. They've upgraded, as a matter of fact. So I, I like the Lakers and what the Lakers are going to present. So we're going to talk some NBA today here on the program. Also want to talk about, and we'll see how time progresses. I want to talk about uh, Mercure Maker of Howard. The five-star recruit out of California is now out indefinitely. He has uh, apparently a growing, a growing situation, so he's out indefinitely. I did a piece that I wrote for BoxToRow.com about the about this very situation. I know some people have talked about it not working out in the long term. I'm not ready to go there, but I had some trepidation when this first happened. And my thought process is, listen, we've done this thing, uh, meaning HBCUs. Uh, first of all, HBCUs have been around for almost 184 years amidst uh, racism, uh, all kinds of things that would have shut us down, yet we still are going on. And I can look at a couple of different examples, which I gave examples of how um, coaches that are HBCU grads or alums have been able to build programs without five-star guys. First of all, you know, this whole notion of five-star players that that, that – Makers, the first five-star player to sign at an HBCU is crazy. I mean, five-star players have been going to HBCUs since nineteen, since the nineteen forties. As a they just didn't call them five stars. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you can look at any number of players, uh, all the way to you know Earl the Pearl Monroe and Sam Jones and. You know Bobby Dandridge and more. And you know, look at even more recently now uh, in the NBA, Robert Covington, who is now with the Portland Trailblazers and an all an NBA all defensive team performer. So you know uh, this notion about, but you know uh, we, you know, COVID has sort of messed up. I think uh, not messed it up, but it's put it on hold. I think. What what Howard probably really wanted to do in terms of marketing and all of those type of things as it relates to Maker has been obviously put on hold for right now. Um, and but I wrote a piece. I, I want you guys to check it out about how listen we can do this, and you don't necessarily have to have four and five star guys. You can build your programs, build it from the ground up. Look at a guy like a Lavelle Moten, what he's done, an alum of North Carolina Central. Look what look what he's done. He's built a program. He doesn't have four and five star guys. He's built a program, three time defending MEAC tournament champs and has won the MEAC tournament for four years, right? Has won some regular seasons and by the way, took over the program two years into its move from division two to division one. That's one example. You can build these programs um, up and not necessarily have four and five star guys. Doesn't mean I'm giving up on the four and five star deal, but right now with Maker out, I mean, you know, and 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 again, I had some trepidation in the beginning of this thing, uh, but we'll ultimately see what happens and see how he's be, going to be able to progress. Because at the end of the day, also, I believe 
that Howard is being a little bit more cautious with him and then uh, another then he they're being a little bit more cautious because of who he is and the 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 future that he holds and all of those kind of things. So, um, you know, wrote the piece, may talk about it a little bit more later on on the program. Invite you to check it out. Your participation here on the program always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. How about W-E-L-E, 1380 in Daytona Beach? How about WGBN Power 1360 out of Pittsburgh. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com semi-blockbuster trade in the NBA. The, The Wizards trade John Wall to the Rockets. and a first-round pick, a protected first-round pick in the 2023 NBA draft, and the Wizards receive in return Russell Westbrook. Okay, so what do you think about that trade? If you're a Wizards fan, what do you think about that trade? If you're a Rockets fan, what do you think about that trade? My thoughts for the Rockets, if John Wall can be, he's not going to be the same player we saw two years ago. Coming off an Achilles, he's definitely going to be different. He's he's 30 now, so it's definitely going to be his, his, his body's got some NBA miles on it, so it's definitely going to be different now. With that said, if he can play at anywhere near where he was, maybe he's not that explosive guy anymore, but it doesn't take – you look at John Wall and you look at the last time he played, I mean, the, I mean his, his, his vision on the court – much better his assists about I think he was what he was top three in the league in terms of assists uh the last time he played I mean that's going to be a dangerous backcourt with James Hart no question about that the Rockets trying to remake their squad and make a bit of a run I mean I just don't think they're going to be able to overcome the Lakers for sure and then there's some other teams that are going to have something to say the Clippers are going to bounce back uh Denver's going to be really really good like there's some good Utah there's some really good teams out west if you look at it from the Wizards perspective boy you you know my thought was boy John Wall you drafted him number one what 10 years ago he's he's been your franchise guy paid him all the money but he's been out and so we don't if you're a Wizards you don't if you're the Wizards you don't know you're you're like the Rockets but you don't know what you have in John Wall coming back you have Bradley Bill it was a phenomenal, what top three scorer in the league this year. They've got some young pieces. They've re-signed Bertans. I mean, I think this is going to be a solid Wizards team. Good draft selection this year. Good draft selection last year. I think this is going to be a good team, the Wizards. So we're gonna we're may talk a little bit more NBA also today here on the program. So we want you to stay tuned. Still to come here on from the press box to press row, Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones and my NFL predictions for week 13. But up next, Washington football team starting linebacker Cole Holcomb. Oh, 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 oh. 
from the press box to press roll. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it says. It's the one and only D.O. Double G or A.K.A. Snoop Lion. Top selector number one. Rastafari. Right. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D.O. Double G, but I somehow, some way. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to... From the press box to press row. We track down the names making news in sports. From the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a young man. As a matter of fact, he's in his second season with the Washington football team. Last year, a fifth round draft pick out of UNC. And uh, I tell you what, had a great game against the Cowboys, has had a good season, had a good season on last year. Washington football team linebacker Cole Holcomb joins us here on Box to Row. Cole, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you all having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you. What what does it mean? Let's go back to Thanksgiving, a, a great win for the Washington football team over the Cowboys. Talk about that win and what it meant uh, to you and the Washington football team. Uh, I mean, it was a big one. It was, it was uh, you know, obviously a divisional game. You got the Cowboys rivalry Thanksgiving on top of that, you know, primetime football. Um, you know, it was, it was it was good to be able to go out there and um, show everybody what we can do. And, um, you know, I think, I think it was a great team win. And, you know, everybody around was having fun. And it was, um, it was honestly just a, a blast being out there playing with the guys. I mean, that was probably one of the most fun times I've had playing football. So, Yeah, I mean, especially in the in the manner in which you did it. Obviously, you, you played a couple of times uh, against the Cowboys last year. I mean, you're a guy that went to UNC, so, you, you know, I mean, you're not that far uh, uh, from Washington, at least you weren't when you played uh, college football. Like, how much did you know – about the rivalry coming to the Washington football team last year. You know, as soon as you, we obviously don't like don't like the the Cowboys and um, and yeah, I mean I had a had a kind of a personal personal thing with them. Um, I, originally, I thought I was going to get drafted by the Cowboys, so not getting drafted by the Cowboys, and then you know getting drafted by Washington. Grateful, thankful for my opportunity. You know, super excited, but. You know, there's always also a little personal, personal thing there against those those the other teams. <laughs> yeah, so that's extra. Like it was extra motive. Like you had a really 
And, and I didn't have a chance. I, I don't know how well you did. I mean, you just had a good season last year. Like, it's hard to say, okay, did Cole have a, you know, was this game good? Was that game good? Like, you play, just played well overall. Uh, but 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 on on Thursday, I mean, you know, you had what the the nine or ten the nine tackles uh, in the game. You had a superb in a half sack. You had a superb game against the Cowboys. I mean, I guess you had that in your memory bank. These guys said they were going to draft me, and they did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always it's always in the back of the minds, and um, you know. But you know, anything can happen, and um, you know. Like I, I, like I said, man, I'm, I'm very appreciative of Washington giving me the opportunity, and um, and especially you know giving me giving me the opportunity to go out and play and, and have a big role for this team. You know, like I love, I love playing defense. I love playing ball, and, and um, very appreciative of, of the, the team giving me this opportunity. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk a little bit more uh, about that in terms of your growth a little bit later on. What does the what's the meaning? T- tell me the meaning, or tell us the meaning of the sweep of the Cowboys. What what does that mean uh, as you all look to try to secure uh, the NFC East? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get that, that playoff run and we want, we want trying to get that first in division. Um, you know, we, we, uh, so obviously that was, that was a big game in terms of, of trying to get that first seed and, um, you know, still got five more games left and, and obviously that, that game really helped us out. And then in terms of the sweep, you know, I, we haven't let a stat out that we haven't we haven't done that in a long time. And then on top of that, you know, putting up 40 points, I think it was like in the 80s the last time we put up 40 points against Dallas. So, you know, I think I think an all-around good team win and, um, you know, it gives us some good momentum going into this next week. Cole Holcomb, starting linebacker for the Washington football team in his second season. He joins us here on Box to Row. What did you see? Tell us what you saw. Like, I mean, the the team had momentum. The interception uh, comes about. Terry McLaurin runs Smith down. And then ultimately, the defense holds the Cowboys to the field goal. Probably the, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess it was the turning point, although you had the lead, you know, at that point. What did you see there? Uh, from what uh, Terry McLaurin did, and then what did that? I mean, I, I'm sure that had to give the defense extra motivation. Absolutely. I mean, we all uh, run on the field after that. We all came out there and told Terry, "Hey, man, that was great hustle. You know, we got you. We're not, we're not going to let him in this end zone." And um, and you know, it's, it's what ended up happening. And we, uh, you know, held him, held him to a field goal there. And, um, and but you know, seeing seeing a guy go that hard it makes you want you know it makes you want to play for him and play play harder for those guys and um, I mean I definitely you know we took it upon ourselves as defense to hey man it, it is what it is but hey they're not giving up so we ain't gonna give up either that was an offensive guy Cole that made that tackle like that's one of the better tackles you've seen like that's an offensive guy that made that play absolutely man he was flying you know made a made a that's why we always we always talk about you know you never never give up on a play you never know what's going to happen um, you know if a guy makes him stumble if there's a fumble if, and and that's that's really the epitome of that not giving up on a play you know he could have he could have hit the brakes seeing that he was about to you know coast into the end zone but that dude fought until the to the very end and, and then look what happened next I mean it was uh, that's that's the epitome of uh, of effort right there. You know, I mean, if so, coming into the season, Ron Rivera as the new uh, head football coach. I mean, if you look at the tape from last year, you can see that fifty-five can play. It's no question about that. So, 
what's like the first interaction that you and he had with him coming in as the new head football coach? Um, I mean, I mean, Rivera's a, Rivera's definitely, you know, he's a football guy, you know, former linebacker. Um, and, you know, my first conversation I had with Rivera was, um, you know, we were talking and, and, you know, we're, we're chatting it up, you know, talking ball. And next thing I know, I come out of his office and I'm like, it's, it's been three hours, two, two and a half hours that we were just talking ball in there. And it's just like, when you get somebody who, who likes talking ball like that and it, and it makes it fun and interactive and, and, you know, and, and you're learning a lot just from, just from that first interaction, you know, it got me, got me real excited about him. And the Rivera's like, he, he, he demands uh, a lot and, and expects a lot and, and, you know, holds, holds everybody accountable. So I, I respect that quality of him and, and it's a great quality he has and he knows how to get a lot out of his players. And um, yeah, man, it's just, you know, tremendous respect for that man. Uh, a couple of more thoughts. Cole Holcomb joins us here in the program. What Like, a lot of the personnel is the same. Obviously, the coaching staff is different. You know, why is this defense, I mean, it's the number one ranked pass defense uh, in the uh, in the NFL. I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, I think, you know, in watching this team may give up a lot of big plays and then especially in the run. But ultimately, like, you're not going to run against the Washington football team. And I even thought that a little bit last year. So why why is it so much different? this year with some of the same personnel um i mean I, I i mean i think i think uh del rio does a great job of um you know keeping it keeping it um you know he, he does a good job of not putting us in bad situations and and also letting us play fast and you know they're like i said their their, their attention to detail is very good and um you know in terms of a of playing complementary football i think you know it's it's in terms of passes, you know, Russian coverage, you know, we got a, we got a great D line who, you know, we got some monsters up there. So they, they make it easy for us to be able to cover if you don't have to cover for that long. And then you also got, we got, I think we got great defensive backs and, um, you know, you got K full, you got Darb, you got Jimmy Fabian, Shazer Everett, um, you know, Landon when he was healthy, you know, Cam Curl comes in as a rookie. He's doing a tremendous job. I think, I think a lot of the guys are, are doing, you know, we're playing we're playing good complimentary football in terms of that. And um, you know, like I said, Russian coverage, man, it's, it's they, they play together. So Yeah. You know, I think it, I thought it was interesting in the beginning you said, Hey, this team gave me a chance, meaning the Washington football team, and you got your chance as a walk on at UNC. So UNC gave you um a chance. What do you remember most about those days in Chapel Hill at North Carolina? Yeah, man, uh, they were they were um you know, I, I always talk to people. I, I miss those days. You know, it was, it was a it was a real fun time there. Um, thankful for those coaches for like like you said, man, giving me an opportunity. That's that's all you can ask for. I mean, especially coming in as a walk on. You know, a lot of your stuff isn't nothing's given to you, so you got to earn every every bit of it. And um, you know, there were there were rough days, and then there were there were good days. And um, I remember I remember the day that I, that I got my scholarship. I was uh, I had actually. It was the last game before the or the last scrimmage before the season of my sophomore year, and uh, Coach Fedora was his his special teams unit is uh, his punt return, and we were on punt return, and I ended up I ended up getting into a fight on that on that on that play, which is a 15 yard penalty probably ejected from the the game, and my linebacker coach at the time, John Papuchis, was um, he's like, hey man, Coach wants to talk to you. 
you know, he's, he's really upset about that, that penalty he got and has me thinking I'm going up there to get, get chewed out by, by the head coach about, um, you know, getting this huge dumb penalty on, on teams. And, and I walk in there and he's like, Hey, we're going to give you a scholarship. And, and I come out and I'm like, my coach, my linebacker coach is sitting right there just dying laughing because he had me convinced I was going up there to get, to get ripped. <laughs> And uh, it was actually to get a scholarship. So, yeah. And, and oh, a few man. of us got there. And my my roommate got a scholarship that day too. He played wide out. You know, it was it was a good day for for the for the boys in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Last thought, Cole, and we appreciate the time. Joined by Washington Football Team starting linebacker Cole Holcomb. So, speak to speak about Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, your thoughts on. Uh, the Steelers, and then also in that same, you know, in that same context, does it matter that you are playing this team maybe a day or two later than originally scheduled? Um, I, as far as the scheduling, I don't, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I mean, it's just one day, and they got a lot of, lot of weapons on offense. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Big Ben's a bad quarterback, very smart guy. You know, he's hard to bring down, so we got to make sure we tackle him when we, we. Uh, when we get around them and um you know just we got to play our football and you know i think we can have a chance and, and, and do a good job and give us a chance on defense and, and as far as offense goes you know just they're uh they're number one in the in the league in terms of points off of turnover so offensively you gotta gotta protect the football defensively you just gotta hold them um hold them hold their possessions minimize possessions try and get them in third and longs win on first and second down and um and, and get after them Washington football team starting linebacker in his second year. Cole Holcomb joins us here on Box to Row. Of course, next up for the Washington football team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cole, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Washington football team. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Very impressed with that young man, Cole Holcomb, well, well beyond his years. Up next here on the program, my NFL predictions for week 13. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You are, in fact, a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard. Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble. You know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers. Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience, and I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it. Kiki Palmer joining us here on the program. I, I've grown in a lot of different ways. I think I've definitely grown as far as my age progression, and that shows that I've literally grown, I guess, on screen, and people have seen me from, you know, a young kid to coming of age into an adult, and I feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that Akila memory out their head, but realizing Akila also has, you know, has grown up. I don't ever want to be typecasted as just 
That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That's the voice, of course, of T.I., it's some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now. Well, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man, we gotta, we gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> that is the voice of Maria Taylor, ESPN college sports analyst. College Game Day is a show that I grew up watching, a, a show that I've always loved. I knew that when I was um, able to join, I was more than excited. I found out the same week as I turned thirty. And it's just something that I never dreamed I would be a part of, but something that I'm so thankful to have under my belt have done for an entire season. It's, there's nothing like it, honestly. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poise now. You know, um, the game is slowed down, so you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I'm just trying my best to find an open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first, starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. I got into the school of business, and it was definitely a great learning experience for me. She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN Swimsuit Edition. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Ali had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've run the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women might feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Mine was just like beauty, but also showing muscles. Like I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and like sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop Dogg Football League has done so many wonders. we got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, uh, after I cheered in Akron, my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout. So, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it, but then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT and it just kind of became a roller coaster from there. So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? 
State University. <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Week 13 of the National Football League in it's that time in the show for my predictions. We're going to get things started off with the Saints and the Falcons. You look at the Falcons, boy, they're coming off that beatdown of the Oakland Raiders. Never saw that coming. I mean, I, I know the Falcons have some talent, but, I mean, you know, I, I, I'll talk about the Raiders later, but if you're the Raiders, like, you cannot allow for that to happen, especially if you're looking to try to make the playoffs. Um, so the Falcons are, are, are solid team like they're playing especially right now in the last couple of weeks better than their record would indicate meanwhile the Saints are coming off that beating of the Broncos who had no quarterbacks Taysom Hill like you have a lot of options with Taysom Hill particularly in the run game and that guy's got a little bit of speed he's not afraid to run through you and I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to why the Saints even picked up Jameis Winston, because last year, if you look at it, Hill was not the guy. It was Teddy Bridgewater. But in any event, um, the Falcons are riding high, but I think the Saints looking to continue to distance themselves in the NFC South comes away with the victory. I like the Saints over the Falcons in Atlanta. The Browns and the Titans. So the Browns coming off a victory. I mean, they had to really work for that victory against the Jaguars. Meanwhile, if I look at the Titans, I mean, the Titans are starting to make some things happen. I was a little bit concerned uh, about the Titans, uh, to be honest with you. But I mean, I think they're starting for a moment anyway, because they started out really like gangbusters. Um, but again, coming away uh, with back to back victories, go back a couple of weeks ago, beating the Ravens in overtime and then the victory against the Colts. I thought that was a statement game because. You know, I thought that was a game that I thought the Colts could win, and it was definitely um, a must-needed victory for either team in that battle for the AFC South. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as I mentioned, the Browns, you know, in this game, I mentioned the Browns coming away with that victory. Like, the Browns are playing well, right? Like, I I, I think the record, I mean, I don't, I'm not, well, let me back up. I don't know if they're playing well, but their record, they've got a good record right now. But I just think the Titans are a better football team. I think the old Titans, if you will, come through. Um, the Titans we saw in the first couple of weeks, I like, and that we've seen the last couple of weeks, I like the Titans over the Browns in Nashville. The Lions and the Bears. Tell you what, the Bears are a mess. Uh, well, they are. I mean, from the respect, yeah, I mean, you look at the record, still a winning record, but, I mean, looking at a team that started off really, uh, r really good but has gone backwards, the quarterback play has been bad. Uh, they go back to Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I think, you know, if you look at Trubisky's first year, I mean, they went 12-4. and four. I mean, I, I thought he was solid, especially for 
a rookie that's just regressed. And I thought maybe, okay, he comes back in this game and maybe it's Matt Nagy, but it's not. It's the quarterback play. Mitchell Trubisky is just not the guy and, and the Bears are suffering. And I think a lot of that also has to do because there is no Tariq Cohen um, that gives you that. He's a dynamic player, punt returner. You know, can you know they, their running game is bad. He can also be a receiver out of the backfield as well, and you're missing that element, although I don't think Matt Nagy has used him well uh, at all. Meanwhile, you look at the Lions. The Lions are bad. Matt, I've been saying Matt Patricia may not be the guy. Now Matt Patricia is gone. Also, the general manager is gone as well. A lot of times that will rejuvenate a team. But I think, you know, the Bears – still have some kind of outside shot perhaps to make the playoffs, even though they're not playing well. And I like the Bears in this game over the Lions in Chicago. The Bengals and the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins um, coming off a, a, a win, right? The Bengals, no Joe Burrow. I mean, I think that's going to be a big issue. And if I'm the Dolphins, I'm still fighting. I mean, they're still fighting for the AFC East crown at the very least to make the playoffs. And I think that's going to be extra motivation for the Dolphins. Uh, I like the Dolphins over the Bengals in Miami. Jaguars and the Vikings. Like the Vikings were uh, very fortunate to escape with the victory over uh, the Panthers. The Panthers should have won that game last week. Like the Panthers um, didn't, they, they had the lead, squandered it, allowed for the Vikings to ultimately come back. Like, like, right, right, while the Jaguars have only won one football game, like, I like the way that, like, the Jaguars are playing in some close games, right? And I'm going to tell you what, like, I never thought that Mike Glennon was done. Like, I thought he had some some productive years in Tampa. I don't know where things sort of went wrong. They went with, James, the Buccaneers went with Jameis Winston, then he goes to Chicago, that doesn't work out. I think, I think Mike Glennon still has something Left in the tank. I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be enough against the Vikings who slipped up um, and I think should win this football game. I like the Vikings in Minnesota. The Colts and the Texans. Well, the the Texans coming off that beatdown on Thanksgiving over the Lions. You look at the Colts. I mean, the Colts are still fighting for that AFC South crown. This is a division matchup. Um, Colts took a bit of a step back. Uh, with the loss, but that that's a good Titans team. I, I, I like the Texans. Um, I like the way that they're starting to play, especially offensively. Deshaun Watson, I mean, is really, really good. Like, he's on a bad football team, but has, has really played uh, exceptionally well. I think that the Colts defense steps up in this football game. This is a must-win for Indianapolis to try and continue with that AFC South crown, at least to make the playoffs. And I like the Colts in Houston, the Raiders and the Jets. Well, the Jets are just a bad football team, continue to be a bad football team, continue to be winless. Uh, It's just a bad situation uh, with the New York Jets. Meanwhile, the Raiders, I don't know what to make of the Raiders. Like one week they'll, they'll be, it'll be a situation that it's like, wow, the Raiders, man, they could really, you know, perhaps if the, I mean, the Chiefs aren't going to slip up now, right? But it was at one time, I'm like, maybe they could challenge for that West, AFC West, at least make the playoffs. I don't know now. Like, I think what happens is 
the Raiders sort of get in this groove. They win a couple of games, and then they have a bad game. That's, I think, what we've seen from the Raiders so far this season. They had a bad game. It's out of their system. They're not going to slip up. And as a matter of fact, not only are they not going to slip up against the Jets, I think they're going to have a good outing, meaning the Las Vegas Raiders. And I like the Raiders in New Jersey. The Giants and the Seahawks. So, Tell you what, the Giants are playing some pretty good football. Uh, when I look at the Giants, they're looking for that NFC East crown. It's the only way that the Giants are going to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Um, I look at the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks, you know, the Seahawks are solid, good, good victory uh, by the Seahawks uh, last week. You know, I, I don't think the Giants have enough to overcome the Seahawks because the Giants, you know, no, you know, Daniel Jones, the Daniel Jones situation uh, right now, the Giants offense isn't great, even though the defense is. Um, I like Seattle over the Giants in Seattle. The Rams and the Cardinals. This is an interesting game, an NFC West matchup. Um, uh, the Ram, I mean, You know, the Rams, like the Rams are, m- m- to me, the Rams are much like, like the Las Vegas Raiders. Like you you don't know what you're going to get from week to week. It's a team that's a playoff contender. It's a team uh, that has an opportunity to win its division. And like they they just, for, inex- I'm not going to say inexplicably, but I mean like they, you like you've got to win that game against the 49ers who has a losing record. They could not Get it done. Meanwhile, the Cardinals also coming off a loss as well. The inconsistency of the Rams to me is a concern. The Cardinals are playing above, I think, where a lot of people thought the Cardinals would be, uh, especially defensively. Like they're not that bad defensively. So I like the Rams in Arizona. The Patriots and the Chargers. So the Patriots get a nice win last week. It's probably a win. They shouldn't have gotten uh, on last week, but they come away with the victory. I think a mistake uh, going for the, the the fourth down and goal, uh, it, it enabled the uh, uh, the Patriots to uh, to come back and, and, and be able to win that football game. So I got to give the Patriots a lot of credit. As a matter of fact, I watched the majority of that football game and that win by the Patriots last week. I mean, Cam Newton's not playing particularly well. Um, you know, but I mean, they're getting it done and the defense is pretty solid. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, Herbert still continues to play well. By the way, his quarterback's coach is Pep Hamilton, uh, a graduate, of course, of Howard University. Um, I think this is a must win for the Patriots who still have an outside shot at that AFC East. Meanwhile, the Chargers are just like they're losing close games. It's just coming apart, I think, right now. For the Chargers, so I like the Patriots in L.A. The Eagles and the Packers. Boy, the Eagles are in a in bad shape. I mean, Carson Wentz is playing. I mean, I I watched last week. Like he's not playing well. He's not throwing the football well um, at all. He's playing badly. Quite frankly, the offense is not playing well at all. Um, you know, defensively, maybe they're decent, but the Packers like. The Packers, again, looking for that NFC North division, playing well, Aaron Rodgers and all that. Like, the Packers are not going to lose to the Eagles. I like the Packers in Green Bay. The Sunday night game, the Broncos are at the Chiefs. Um, the Broncos in, in a bad way, like no quarterback um, last week, put themselves sort of in a bad situation. The Chiefs are playing unbelievably 
right? And I just, even though this is an a, a AFC West matchup, I definitely like the Chiefs in Kansas City. So we got we got two games on Monday night. The Washington football team is going to be in Pittsburgh taking on the Steelers. It's a five o'clock game. Um, ha, like the Steelers coming off that victory over the Ravens, um, barely able to pull that one out. But that's an AFC North matchup. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I like the way the Washington football team has won two straight games. Yeah, it's the Bengals. Yeah, it's the Cowboys. But I like the way Washington is playing. I think the defense is played tremendous. I think they're going to shut the running game down. The running game for the the Steelers has been a little bit inconsistent lately. Um, I think the the Steelers' defense is awesome. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I think that Washington wins this game. I'm going with the Washington football game in Pittsburgh in a low-scoring game. Just enough offense for the Washington football team. The Bills and the 49ers, interesting game. Should be a good one. The Bills trying to, they're trying to secure that AFC uh, East. And uh, you look uh, you look at the 49ers coming off that that uh, great victory. I think the Bills, you know, really need this one. And I like the Bills um, in this football game. we got a bonus game uh, on Tuesday. The Cowboys and the Ravens. The Cowboys, boy, just in dis- not disarray, but they're in a bad way right now. The Ravens. Not great, but the Ravens have a good defense, and I like the Ravens over the Cowboys in Baltimore. Your thoughts on Twitter and Facebook. Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones is up next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row, it's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. The Spartans are 2-1 and one on the season and have a battle 
on Monday against Hampton. Robert Jones joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Jones, welcome back to the program. Hey, how you doing? How's everything? Everything's good, man. I mean, you got you to gotta feel pretty good. I know you're coming off the loss against Old Dominion, but two wins to start the season, one against James Madison, the other against Radford. Your thoughts on the early season? Early season's been good so far. You know, to, to win two out of your first three games uh, any season is great. I think to win out two out of the first three in this pandemic when we've had limited practice time and, um, you know, quarantine, things like that, you know, is, so, you know, to come out two out of two out of three, and I wish, I'd, wish it would have been three out of three, but to start off two and one is not a bad start. Speak to the preparation in terms of uh, trying to get ready to start this season amidst a pandemic where you got a lot of games that are being rescheduled, games that are being canceled, teams that are being affected by uh, COVID-19. What was the preparation like to start the season? I mean, it was rough. You know, we didn't have summer um, workouts like we normally do to lay down a foundation. Uh, we barely had preseason workouts, uh, honestly. And um, then we jumped right into, like, the season. And then we had a quarantine at one point during the, during the early part of the preseason. And, you know, we really have only had our guys together for a full team practice uh, four times um, all, all year. So, you know, that's been rough. You know, uh, we've, we've had, like, every now – you know, we'll have 10 guys. We'll have 11. Sometimes we have eight guys. Sometimes we'll have 12. But we've never – we've, we've only had 14 guys together four times the whole year. So we're still on a process of learning each other on the fly, really. And now with no scrimmages or exhibitions, these games are counting, but they're really like what they should be is our scrimmages and exhibitions right now. You know, so it's been um, it's been tough. And that's why I say we're fortunate enough uh, to, to, to one, two out of the, the first three games because a lot of teams uh, haven't done that. Yeah, speak to that opening victory, how your team played against James Madison in Harrisonburg on the road. You come away with the 87, 83 to uh, 73 victory. Well, in James Madison, you know, we came out the gate, uh, you know, we came out the gate with great energy. You know, we knew we were playing somebody else on their home floor and we had to come out with great energy and we did that and we were able to sustain it, sustain it when they made their run and then they made a run, took the lead and we were able to get the lead back and uh, finish the game and uh, win by a double digit. So that was a great win. Also, you know, any, you know, any in-state win is always a good win because a lot of times you don't get a chance to play these in-state schools for a different reason. So whenever we get a chance to play them, we want to try to show that, you know, we're one of the best, you know, schools in Virginia. And, um, you know, we were able to get out there. And, of course, it's bragging rights. You know, let's not go too far away from that. Everybody wants to have bragging rights in their state. So, you know, to say the last time we played James Madison, the last time we played Radford, especially when you're in a recruiting battle, you can say that, you know, we beat those guys. Yeah, no question. I mean, in, in, you, I mean you get some good performances. Let's start with the performance by J.J. Matthews. He had a double-double 18 points. 11 rebounds was 12 of 14 from the free throw line. He was, he was being aggressive, obviously, in this game. Yeah, he was being really aggressive. That's a heck of a debut, you know, 18 points, 11 rebounds. So with him and his, and his ability to make free throws helped as well when he was being aggressive. Because, you know, a lot of times big guys are aggressive and then they can't make a free throw, so it kind of negates their, their whole aggression. So, um, you know, for him to be able to make free throws and be aggressive for us was, was a big – a big key in that James Madison one. I mean, obviously, you're playing a game in Harrisonburg. It's a, uh, you know, it's a tournament. Uh, and then to to the point that you made, uh, coming up with the victory by three points, 57 to 54 over Radford. Speak to that victory. Uh, one in which you guys, you know, got off, got off to a good first half start. 
uh, but ultimately had to to tussle with Radford there in the second half. Yeah, yeah, Radford. I mean, you know, they have a, a winning pedigree. You know, they're they're back to back regular season big regular season Big South champs, if I believe. Um, so um, you know, they have a winning pedigree. They have a winning culture, and we knew it was going to be a, a, a tough game for us. But once again, we was able to get a pretty good start. And then when they were able to make their run, we were able to hold them off and, um, you know, win the game at, at, towards the end. So that was two great wins on the road uh, right away for us. Robert Jones is in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. Jones is here on From the Press Box. The Press Row, the Spartans are 2-1 and one on the season. You're trying to make it a trifecta. And I, I like this because your first, you know, first four games or so against Virginia teams, one against an old MEAC opponent, uh, coming up next, what the Old Dominion game? Old Dominion's got a good program. What, what happened there? You 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 lose that game, eighty to sixty six. What was the key? Like what, you know? What what were some of the things that you didn't do that ultimately led to the loss? I mean, you know, that was an emotional game from the jump. Um, I think that we came out on the wrong end of the emotion at the beginning. You know, that was the first time, which you probably know, they they actually played on Norfolk State campus in 52 years, you know, and they're four and a half miles away from us. So that was like an emotional game. They came out, you know, they came out 11-0, honestly, and we were able to close the gap to a five-point game at halftime. And then we were able to close the gap again to a one-point game with, with, with five minutes left, four minutes left, I think it was. And um, we just couldn't get that stop that we needed to to flip the whole tide. And, you know, like, like you know, Old Dominion, obviously they're, they're a quality program. That's a big in-city Rivalry. Forget about the, you know the in-state thing. That's that's within the same city as those two schools uh, are, are located. So we wanted to win that game. Um, we we also a little upset that you know we couldn't give Old Dominion our full shot. You know we wanted to. You know we had a couple guys injured, uh, a couple key guys, Joe Bryan, which is you know as you know preseason All MEAC player, and Kashawn Hicks, who was averaging 13 points a game for us uh, coming into that game. They they both got hurt. So um, we were a little short-handed, but I do like the way my guys fought. Um, through the, the shorthandedness and, and was able to almost be able to pull that game out. You know, that's something to build on, and we look forward to the next game. Yeah, no question. I think that's that's an interesting point that you make, I think. I mean, it's one thing with football if 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 Norfolk State plays Old Dominion, at least now because Norfolk State or Old Dominion is an FBS opponent, but basketball, I mean, it's it's all Division One. Uh, 52 years, I mean, at least in your tenure, is that something you tried to – make happen in terms of having Old Dominion come to Norfolk State? Yeah, and it was always a no. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, we played them at the scope, but, you know, obviously a neutral site, and we played them at their place. But um, I think with COVID, you know, they they, they agreed, uh, you know, I think for a lot of different reasons, you know, one, to try to break the, the – to, to show cause that they break the 52-year, you know, cycle. But also, I mean, let's face it, Norfolk State Echoes wasn't going to be – you know, it wasn't going to be a packed house. If we were to play them in a non-COVID time at Echoes Arena, I mean, you couldn't get into that place. I mean, people would be standing on top of each other after a 52-year drought. And um, I think the game was strategically um, accepted, and it's okay. You know, it is what it is. We were happy to play the game, and we're going to play them again, you know, in, in two years at, at their place for a home-and-home home series. Although strategically accepted, you know, we, we took the challenge, and we were, you know, we wish we could have, gave them a, a full shot that the voice of course of robert jones the head men's basketball coach at norfolk state he joins us here on the program Devonte carter right now leads you in scoring 14 points per game speak to his play so far through three games oh this play has been tremendous i mean you know he's a guy that's like stepping up to a new leadership 
scoring, you know, leadership and scoring role for us. Uh, he's a kid, you know, that averaged almost 10 points a game last year, but now he's, he's counting on to do way more than that. And especially until um, those other two gentlemen get back, the, the shoulder, you know, he, he really has to shoulder the scoring load for us. And, um, you know, right now he's playing like 36 minutes a game, and that's nowhere near what we want him to play. I, I really don't want any of my players playing 36 minutes a game because I don't think that you're going to get max production from them. So he's playing that. You know, he's doing well. Um, you know, he's still adjusted some things. I think that, he, you know, he has some – sometimes he has some – some bad turnovers or, or, or bad shots due to fatigue, honestly. And, um, you know, we, like I said, we can't wait till those, those other guys get back so he won't have to shoulder 36 minutes of action. But so far he's done well. Uh, I think he felt a little slighted being only nominated for preseason third team. Um, he thinks he's a better player than that. We think he's a better player than that. And I think he's trying to show everybody that he's a better player than that. Yeah, and then Daryl Anderson, he's averaging 12.7 points per game from, for you, a game through three games. A guy that's coming off the bench is shooting seventy-one percent from the field. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, you know, Daryl's a guy that didn't really play that much last year, and we knew he was going to develop. But right now, I mean, you know, he's playing out of his mind right now. Now, granted, we hope he can keep that up because once again, before the season, Daryl Anderson wasn't uh, a main focal point of us offensively. You know, so for him to be doing what he's doing now is great because now when Joe Bryan does get back and Kashawn Hicks does, you know, get back. Now we have more options offensively. So this, this, that's the exciting part of the whole thing. So we want Darrow to keep up his, you know, his play, keep up shooting 71% if you can. And, um, you know, we're going to add those pieces to the puzzle and hopefully really have a really, really uh, strong team as the year goes on. And I, and I think we will have a really strong team as the year goes on. Wrapping it up with Robert Jones in his uh, eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on the program. So Hampton, what are the expectations going up against Hampton? Coming off a nice win um, against George Washington. This is that rivalry battle of the Bay and it's going to take, I mean, I, I realize you know, it, it's not going it, to it, same thing as you mentioned Hampton, or as you mentioned with respect to Old Dominion, it would be packed there and Eccles not going to be the case. Still nonetheless, the battle of the Bay a great rivalry between the two schools. Oh, yeah, it's going to be incredible. I mean, you know, they're going to come out with great energy. We have to come back and bounce back. You know, they're looking to continue their a win streak, and we're, we're, we're trying to avoid a losing streak. So there's a lot of different uh, scenarios and a lot even outside of the Battle of the Bay. Um, so, you know, they're a good team. They're a good program. It's always, a, you know, a fun time when we get together. Um, and we, we actually, you know, we owe them from last year. You know, we started this four-year series once they went to the Big South. We beat them at our place. They beat us, they beat us at their place. So hopefully we can now – Keep the, keep the trend going and beat them again at our place. But uh, it's going to be a tough game. Um, like I told the guys, we have to get over this Old Dominion loss because the Old Dominion game, honestly, for this year, really overshadowed the Hampton game, you know, like because of the magnitude and the 52-year thing and, and things like that. That uh, I can't say people forgot about the Hampton game, but, like, no one was talking about the Hampton game in the area. I mean, honestly. Like, no one even – and usually that's the, that's the game that people are talking about. But everybody's talking about the Old Dominion game, so I'm just trying to get the guys to understand that from a mental standpoint that – Although we lost the Old Dominion game, that doesn't define, that doesn't define who we are and how the season is going to be. So let's, uh, let's, let's get past that and let's get ready for a tough Hampton team on Monday. Robert Jones again in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Spartans are 2-1 and one on the season and has a, uh, have a home tilt on Monday against Hampton. Coach Jones, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, Coach Jones. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Cole Holcomb and Robert Jones for joining us today 
here on the program. Again, that piece on Mercure Maker can be found on our website at BoxToRow.com. Check it out. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Now praise them, raise them, name it, claim it. Every tongue that rises up against me, shame it. I breathe success in and out my lungs. Got the power of life and death coming out my tongue.